Blood Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to the Great Iron Blitz, uh, 454 in the house. Oscar Lopez, your host. We'll be uh, talking to Coach Terry Lister and the backseat coach, Mark Simone, in the second hour as we break down the WFA Conference Finals for 2023 on the road to Canton. All three divisions, uh, very interesting matchups as well. So we'll dive into each key matchup as to who's going to come on top and who will end up in the final six at the Hall of Fame stadium over in Canton, Ohio. Um, so it's going to be an interesting uh, discussion in the second hour as we break down an hour full of women's tackle football talk, uh, like I said, with Mark Simone, a.k.a. the backseat coach, and Coach Terry Lister. Um, we're going to also have today on the show uh, the talented WNFC Denver Bandits running back Grace Cooper, and also we're going to have a preview of the upcom- upcoming class here this coming weekend as uh, – New York Wolves quarterback Danielle Ayala joins us to preview the New York Wolves taking on the Baltimore Nighthawks uh, for the uh, conference finals. So we'll dive into uh, Danielle's head in terms of her team. Uh, undefeated so far, really good matchup against uh, the Atlanta Rage in the first round of the, of the playoffs, and so very impressive victory there for them. So interesting to see that. We're also going to dive in, like I said, to Grace Cooper. Uh, Grace Cooper didn't have the best season, but we'll kind of dive into your head about the journey from the WFA and the uh, first season in the WNFC with the Denver Bandits as well. So don't forget to like and subscribe on uh, Apple and Sprecher uh, or any other podcast uh, platform that you enjoy. Uh, just to want to give a shout-out to a couple uh, players. We did have uh, some feedback from our data, and we are uh, more than appreciative to uh, 451 uh, was uh, originally uh, – Coach Soho and Grace Cooper was uh, at the beginning of the year, February 28th. That was our first podcast of the new year, and that was a really, really big podcast. Everybody uh, basically listened to it, and that was our big, big uh, data podcast. Uh, So now uh, that would be number one. Number two off the data uh, previews, uh, episode 451, and that would be the talented Lexi Floor and T. Singleton. Uh, of the uh, of the DC Divas and the Oklahoma Lady Force, so uh, thanks to them for uh, coming in. And a lot of the people really loved the interviews that they did, and a lot of downloads for us. So we really appreciate that. Also, uh, 449 Angelica Grayson and Adrian Smith. So thanks to them too as well. And then uh, also 447 Jasmine Ballard of the uh, Washington Prodigy. So shout out to all of them for helping us out and also bringing attention and awareness to the sport of women's tackle football via the airwaves of our podcast. So appreciate that. All right. Um, we're going to dive into a uh, scene over in Sweden because that's where the playoffs are coming and the Super Series. Um, let me get my notes here. So if you haven't uh, gone to the Hub, I encourage you to go to the Hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. The best network on the planet is at the Hub covering women's tackle football uh, globally. Uh, and so if you guys want to get the fixed 4th of July weekend there as well, uh, some of the posts on top of that, 
uh, everything that's happening in the sport in terms of Sweden, Finland, Germany, uh, and also the WFA playoffs as they're coming up here in the conference finals. So really, really cool. So let's dive into the Swedish uh, playoffs on this this past weekend. Uh, thanks to Linda Johansson. If you want to check it out, Linda Johansson over on our Instagram, on our stories. Uh, and so she's ready. Uh, she's been actually OC for the for the season, so congratulations to her. Uh, Karlstad Crusaders will be taking on Gothenburg. Uh, so on July 1st, uh, Karlstad um, just completely demolished Norcopen Panthers, as we had mentioned in the last podcast. It was really going to be a no contest, um, and it was basically a no contest. Uh, 61 to zero, and then we had on July 2nd, Gothenburg 12 to seven. They barely edge AKI. Very impressive victory by them to, to sweep in and to get into the Swedish final. Um, this will be the biggest test for Gothenburg if they can even contain uh, the Crusaders to like 40, 40 points or below. That would be impressive, but it is the biggest challenge that they'll have. So I've uh, got the details coming up here. Let me just give you the details here. So uh, the Crusaders uh, will be taking on Gothenburg. And let me just go into the uh, Swedish final details here and so if you're in europe right now um if you're in europe so both both weekends uh both finals in terms of this uh both finals in terms of the sweden sweden finals uh those are going to be on sw3 play and that's like a streaming service in terms of sweden so uh you can go and subscribe on uh uh it's uh, sw3play.se so the men's finals will be Saturday, and the ladies' finals will be on Sunday. You can watch the finals. I believe it is $49 in Sweden to watch the finals. But if you, um, if you subscribe to w, uh, SW3 Play subscription for $149 a month, uh, you will get everything that happened in the season, including the upcoming European Championship semifinals uh, and also the women's team was playing the European Championships match against Finland on uh, August 26th. And so a uh, really good package there. So if you're in Sweden, incline, you can subscribe to sw3play.se so you can watch the uh, Karlstad Crusaders taking on the Gothenburg Marvels coming up here this coming weekend on July 9th. Impressive, uh, impressive is Karlstad Crusaders uh, just routing everybody. Uh, this, they own this, the championship in Sweden. They are the best team basically in the sport in Sweden, and uh, there's like no second best, and Gothenburg will be that team if they can somehow match up and bring up their A game and try to match up to the level of Karlstad Crusaders. Um, if you want to equate them to maybe the Boston Renegades or the Texas Elite Spartans, that would be kind of like, you know, the level that they're at in terms of the, Sweden, uh, the Swedish uh, Super Series, in terms of the women's Super Series. All right, uh, in, in Finland... Week six, it was Tampiri uh, defeating Helsinki 14-0. to zero. And we mentioned that last week it was going to be a tough battle as well, uh, especially with Helsinki uh, coming off that loss to Turku in week five, 23-14. That was a tough loss. So we got back-to-back losses by the Wolverines. Um, and so the standings are at um, Turku still undefeated at this point uh, because they're on, they're not, they didn't play this weekend. And then Tampiri goes to 2-1-1. Helsinki one and three, and then Olu, uh, the Northern Lights are zero and three. So interesting uh, developments there. Tampere looks like they will be the challenger uh, to the um, 
Turku Trojans, um, and they uh, hopefully will be competitive enough to try to challenge them. So we've got a couple more weeks left till I believe, September in the Swedish uh, uh, league. So we'll keep you up to date this weekend in terms of the matchup uh, that's coming up. And I believe it's at the hub. Let me just check that out for us here. Yep, it's at the hub. So you go check it out at the hub. You get the preview right there. Uh, over in Germany, we're covering the AFBD DBL1 and DBL2. So uh, the final scores coming up of the big matchups, the champions, 51-12, uh, to 12, uh, take down the Munich Cowboys on July 1st. Then the game that you can watch at the hub and streamed at the hub is Hamburg Amazons uh, taking down Berlin Cobras, which is kind of a shocker in a lot of ways. A 28-0 shutout of the Berlin Cobras. So that is impressive. And Hamburg uh, was very, very impressive. So check out their IG page for some of, this, some of the reels. And also you can check out uh, at the hub the link right there in terms of the Hamburg Amazons taking on the Berlin Cobras. Really good competitive game, even though there was a shutout there. Both teams are very competitive. And Hamburg, impressive. So check it out right there. Uh, the other game that was canceled uh, because there was a concert going on, I believe, it's Manham uh, Banditas uh, and the Schwabish Unicorns. That was canceled. Um, Erlingen Rebels, they win 42-12 uh, to 12 against Sarlon Hurricanes. Then the Red Knights, Tuvalin, uh, they they go, uh, went up against Golden Dragons, and the Dragons did edge them 20-14. to 14. And on July 2nd, it was Odenburg Knights, 19-8. Uh, to 8, They fall to Lithian Venom. And then the Cologne, the Cologne Falconets, uh, they route Bosham Miners 36-7. Uh, Solingen Wolper uh, take care, uh, fall to the Mulham Shamrocks 14-6. to 6. And then in the other game, it was um, Rosenberg Phoenix routing uh, Rodu Pioneers. Not even a close contest at all there at, at that point. Um, so the next upcoming games here this weekend, in terms of DBL1 and DBL2, uh, we've got Basham, uh, Basham, uh, Mulsham, uh, Sham, uh, I'm sorry, Balsham Miners, take it on Mulsham Shamrocks, if I can get out my words here. Uh, Red Knights, Tubalajin versus Manham. Banned that, and then the Hanover Grizzlies will take on Lithium Venom, and then the uh, Lipstick Hawks will take on Reginger Phoenix. Uh, in the other matchups, uh, I believe it's Brashov Lions. They will take on uh, the Blue Devilins. Cologne Falconets will take on the Ashen uh, Cologne. I think that was the game. I think that was canceled, but you get the uh, the updates right there at the AFBD site as well. Uh, the other uh, matchups is in UK. And that was the um, results. Uh, so the, the, the res- results on July 1st, Norwalk falls to Kent, Exiles 20 to 11. Then we had um, the uh, Norwalk Devils again, 18 uh, against the Horch, uh, Horchow Cheetahs. And then the Cheetahs, uh, uh, Kent Exiles also win against the Cheetahs. So 18 to 4 eight, and uh, 12 to 11 and, and 18 to 7. This is 7 on 7. It's a tournament format. So that was the results there. You can go to Gridiron Girls UK and get the uh, get the lowdown right there, and also on IG and uh, some of the uh, some of the results we shared there as well. So they're the ones that cover the sport in the UK. So we really appreciate them and uh, Miss Molly Bryson as well for her awesome work in the UK covering the NWFL 999 and the seven on seven format. Uh, in the other tournament, in the other tournament that was in the uh, regional center. 
and that was uh, on July 1st. It was 40 to 12 uh, Cardiff Valkyries over Leicester Falcons. It was the Solent Thrashers 52 to zero against Leicester Falcons, and it was 28 to 12 Solent Thrashers defeating the Cardiff Valkyries. Wow, what an impressive uh, uh, you know weekend for the Solent Thrashers. Really impressive. Uh, two wins out of the tournament there in the Central. Then in the North, it was Cheshire Bears falling to East Kilbride Pirates, 26-12. It was the Teesside Steelers, 62-12 against East Kilbride Pirates. And it was Manchester Titans taking down Cheshire Bears as well. So pretty impressive uh, weekend for a couple of teams with uh, one wins, one losses, including Teesside Steelers, who got two wins. Um, at this point, 40 to zero over Manchester. So um, an impressive weekend for the Teesside Steelers as well. In the uh, NWFL uh, 999, the standings are London Warriors 4-0, Birmingham 2-1, Leeds Chargers 1-2, Edinburgh Wolves 1-2, Petersburg Royals, uh, we're looking at 0-3. And, and then in the, uh, the matchups that happen on the 24th, it was uh, Birmingham 60 to 15 over Edinburgh. It was London 63 to zero over Petersburg Royals. So impressive victories right there in the uh, NWFL as well. So uh, all the lowdown, everything that's happening in the sport, it's right there at the hub, facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. That is the place to be. Um, and so uh, waiting for uh, Danielle to call in. I believe she was at practice, so just giving her a call here. All right, and to see if she'll come on in a couple minutes here, um, and then we'll talk to her. And then we're going to dive into uh, the talented Grace Cooper of the Denver Bandits as she's, um, you know, transitioning transition from the WFA to the WNFC. And she has some injuries this year, so we're going to kind of dive into that. And then we're going to dive into 2024 in terms of, you know, is she coming back to the WNFC? Is she's just going to hang him up? Or what her thought process would be at this point? So... Looking forward to having the conversation with her as well. Um, if you are inclined to go to the hub at this point, at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties, uh, everything out there, including the victories this past weekend uh, of all everything that was happening in the sport. Uh, we also have Fourth of July uh, praises out there. Got a really cool article as well from IFAB Media on the talented Vanita Crouch, who's uh, going up for Team USA again at the America's Championships over, I believe, in, uh, in Charlottesville, North Carolina, as Team USA will look to, um, you know, defend and, and try to make a, a championship out of the conference since after the, world, after the World Games, they weren't able to do it. And then uh, you have the preview there. Uh, Trojans will travel to the Saints. So it's a really good matchup considering the uh, Saints came off that nice win, 14-0 against Helsinki. This, uh, the last matchup that they faced, it was uh, Turku 22 to 14 uh, victory. So this is going to be kind of a rematch of rematches in terms of the Finnish uh, women's season. So interesting to see whether the Saints are going to actually challenge the um, Trojans for the uh, you know title in terms of the Finnish title and be competitive at this point. Uh, we also had uh, a great article uh, on uh, at least uh, I mean a great article a podcast interview. Uh, with the WWCFL champion, Elisa Funk, of the Saskatoon Valkyries, uh, which she was on She Got Game podcast uh, of the TSN.ca network uh, in Canada. 
kind of talking about the Valkyries, the, uh, the foundation there, plus the WWCFL, and then the, you know, the joy and what the game is in Canada currently as it is in the WWCFL. So we'll see how that goes there as well. And you can get to check out the talented Annie Agar, Annie Agar in her um, 4th of July outfit. Shout out to the uh, Utah Girls Football League for posting that nice uh, uh, screenshot of the happy 4th of July. And then we got all the action that happened in NWFL as well. And so uh, shout out to her route. And you can go follow them and like their page as well, capturing uh, first the first two wins of the game. And so uh, so we'll just go from there at this point. So, And then you can get there as well. Let's see here. Let's double check here. Uh, let's see if Daniel's going to be on. Let's see here. There we go. We'll see if she comes on right now. I think she's having some difficulties with calling in, so we'll try to get her on the phone here. And um, I don't know if she's at maybe an area that doesn't catch, capture that. So let's double-check, see if we can get her on. Uh, so let's, let's double-check here. See if I can down route. Let's see her. Uh, let's go double-check. And this is what happens sometimes when you're live. And you got to do, you do. See if it should be. So we'll see if she comes on. Let's see if she comes on right now. Should come on right now. See if she answers the phone. Get her on at this point. I think she was in the area. Maybe that's where the phone. It happens a lot in terms of you know some areas of some areas of the areas. So we're dialing in right now, and we'll see if she can see if she's going to come on and see here. Let's see. See if she'll pick up the phone because it's dialing out to her. Yeah, it hasn't dialed out. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> we'll see for now. Uh, let's keep trying on that. All right. Uh, let me let her know that I'm calling out. Let me see her. I am calling you. Let's see here. Let's do it. going to try call her out again. There we go. So we'll see if she picks up the phone. So I think this happens when we're on air and just bad connections. I know it happened when we had Tony uh, from um, Morocco. wasn't able to get her on. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me, Daniel? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. <laughs> All right, cool. I don't know what's happening. I'm sorry. Maybe, uh, your phone is maybe it was in a, a bad uh, connection area or something. Um, how's yeah, it going? I think I'm in a bad practice. So thanks for thanks I'm for making good, the time. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. 
How you doing? All right. Uh, Danielle, let's talk about that win in Atlanta. How did you feel after that win in Atlanta? Pretty impressive win by you guys. I mean, yeah, it's the first uh, playoff win for us as a as an organization, so I'm really happy about that. Uh, we have to go down to Atlanta. It's pretty hot. <laughs> um, you know, we had to withstand the heat, but we made it. We made it out. What was your impression of the uh, raid when you first for the first quarter or so? Wait, can you say it? Hang on, sorry. No, I said, what was your impression of the rage when you first uh, within the first quarter? Uh, you know, I, I mean, they deserve to be where they're at um, in terms of in the playoffs. Uh, but you know, we came out swinging. We know where, who we are, and we knew we were gonna win that game first quarter. That's all it is to it. I know uh, you had a really good second half. Um, you guys were all going off in terms of the in terms of the offense. Um, what what was attributed to that? Was it the line? Were you able to keep up yourself, and then you were you were doing really good throws. Uh, yeah, I mean the line they weren't bringing too much pressure pressure, so the line you know we uh, did pretty well. Our run game actually opened up a lot for us. Um, and then to to give them their credit, our defense our defense allowed us to come and uh, come back and, and score because they made a lot of stops. So, I mean, it's an all-around game for us. You know, special teams, defense, offense is always, um, like, a good staple for us. We, you know, we're a pretty balanced team, so we all contributed pretty well to that win. Now, off to, off to this uh, matchup against Baltimore, uh, Danielle, uh, kind of a normal rival for you guys. Do you expect anything different from Baltimore? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Baltimore is Baltimore. They always come and bring their A game whenever they play us. Um, I'm sure that's going to be the case this time, uh, especially since last year they got to this round and lost. So I'm sure they're going to try to try to make make a make it so that they win this time. But uh, you know, we have a lot of Schemes. We have a lot of game plans that we have, so we can come back, uh, you know, on the field swinging this time. Uh, Sorry, I have like a lot of fireworks is, behind me. <laughs> no problem. You're good. Um, what, what do you anticipate uh, from Baltimore this time around? You, you feel like defensively they're going to be a little bit more stout because if they if they look at film, obviously they understand that you guys you guys uh, have offensive firepower, based, especially after what they see with, uh, versus Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're probably probably going to do what they've done for forever, which is bring pressure. Um, you know, they they're pretty good at bringing pressure um on the O-line against the quarterback, so I'm anticipating that a lot. Um, but, you know, we have answers for that. So, you know, I I think it's going to be a, a good matchup right now. How are you feeling um, injury-wise, or are you healed 100%? Uh, what's your mindset in terms of your physicality right now? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, earlier, our first game against Baltimore, which is our second game, I uh, suffered a pretty a pretty bad concussion. So, But I'm good now. Everything is all good. Um, I'm all healed up. So I'm ready to go. You know, I've been ready to go for the last few weeks, so... It's going to be uh, one of those games where we got to give everything we, we can to make it a king. All right. One step to Canton. Are you excited or are you just one game at a time? It's one game at a time. Like, you know, you have to take it step by step. We don't want to, you know, 
look too far in the future and, and take a misstep trying to get there. So obviously, you know, we're going to focus on Baltimore right now. Once this is all said and done, we'll focus on the next step. All right. We'll talk to you last year with all the stuff that happened with the uh, end season stuff. Now you've arrived here again. So very impressive, uh, you know, turnaround for you guys in terms of a squad and a team to just kind of like yeah. come into this season hungry and willing and able and then dominating the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when you, when you, when you put some wolves into a corner, it's bound to bite back. <laughs> um, as corny as that may sound, but we're we're ready coming into this season to to take it as far as we can go. Um, and as far as we can go is looking like we're going to, you know, our eyes are set on Kenton. Um, but like I said, we're taking it one step at a time. But that's our goal. Were you able to, um, in terms of the defense, you guys were able to really control the clock uh, pressure mm-hmm. Atlanta into a lot of, you know, mishaps and turnovers. Um, I, I, yeah. You're anticipating the defense to do the same against Baltimore? Yeah, of course. I mean, our defense has been extremely strong, you know, for the past two seasons. Um, they have We got some dogs on, on defense. So, you know, they're going to bring it every single time they step on the field. So I have the utmost confidence in them to bring it this game as well. All right. You guys uh, – getting ready for the fundraising for Canton at this point? Or are you guys not doing that until after this result of this game? Or if, if fans want to get, <laughs> I mean, help you guys out with donations? I, I guess. I guess, you know, but that, you know, we're leaving that to management. We're leaving that to, all, you know, ownership. Uh, we're, we as players are just focused on playing this game. And then once that's all said and done, we'll focus on the next one. All right. So I saw the gnome is back for the run. So I guess he's not in the yeah. split circles anymore. <laughs> yeah, Nomi, Nomi is back. Uh, she, I think she hurt her hand last game, but I think she'll, you know, just put a club on and just keep on rocking. Yeah, I know. I saw her on the sidelines as well, and I saw her on the field. So really impressive there. Um, I, I just, I, you know, what, what a, a, a game you guys had against Atlanta. We anticipated Atlanta was going to come in a little bit more based on stats and all that stuff, but. Uh, you guys proved us wrong, and uh, yourself included, and then Mulligan as well. So um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming mm-hmm. this is going to be no different against Baltimore, right, this weekend? No, no different. You know, stats can only take you so far. Like, once you get on that field, stats don't matter. What you bring is what you bring and how you play on the field once once we get on there. So uh, I, the scheme for the offense at this point is going to be similar to what we saw in Atlanta. So for the fans that are going to dive in, obviously, for the conference finals, uh, looking at the Wolves, obviously, to try to put some firepower early and uh, trying to run away with it. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> Score early and often, that's our plan. All right. Well, I'm just, I'm glad you, you were able to make a couple minutes uh to do the interview. I know it was kind of a hectic week, and I appreciate you coming in and uh, giving us a little lowdown and a preview of what we're going to see this coming weekend against the Baltimore Nighthawks. We wish you well. I uh, wish uh, thank you, thank New you. York will move on, right? That's what we want, and arrive in Canton, which is a deserving stage. Yeah. And then uh, it looks like you guys, as it ends up right now, it looks like you guys might end up against uh, Oklahoma's Lady Force. So that's, that would be mm-hmm. a challenge. You know, we we're we're fine with challenges. We we always rise to the occasion with challenges, so we'll be all right.
I believe. All right, so the pack is ready for this week uh, weekend up against uh, Baltimore Nighthawk. Can you uh, dive mm-hmm. in and give the fans uh, where they're able to go see the game? So uh, you can see the game on Facebook Live on, I, I believe, the New York Wolves. Um, our, our very own Pat Brown will be commentating on the game. Um, I believe there's a YouTube channel. I don't know which channel it is. Um, they told us they were going to do a broadcast, but I don't know who's doing it. I'm a, I, I don't know at this point, but I'm assuming you can catch it on uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, with the Wolves and the WFA. You can just keep on checking those and, and uh, you know, see where you can check everything out. All right. So, Danielle, looking for another outstanding uh, performance this coming weekend against Baltimore. And uh, thank you. Anticipating you will arrive in Canton for the final. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Oscar. Thank you for having me. I always appreciate you having me. Thanks. Have a great night, okay? Uh, rest thank up you. You too. Weekend. Have a of good course. Happy Thanks. Of July. All right. You too. Thank you so much. All right, guys, uh, that was uh, Danielle uh, Ayala and uh, the New York Wolves. And so she's at practice right now. You can see, you hear the fireworks in the back, like she said, uh, kind of excited. The New York Wolves are getting ready and reared up for the uh, Baltimore Nighthawks. And I'm pretty sure Baltimore is getting ready and giddy for it, too, because uh, last year they were uh, one of the teams that got into the playoffs and kind of missed out on an opportunity to maybe move one step closer to Canton. So it's going to be a class of rivalries here. It's uh, New York, Baltimore, always entertaining. And uh, if Baltimore's got any uh, tidbits, they can get it, obviously, from the Atlanta game. Some of the things that the um, Wolves did uh, within an explosive offense and then the defense really creating a lot of mishap and turnovers for the Atlanta Raid. So anticipating a really good matchup here coming up of uh, New York versus Baltimore in terms of the conference um, championship in terms of the national side of the D2 realm of things. All right, guys, we're going to go into the next huddle, and that's going to be um, talking to the talented Grace Cooper of the Denver Bandits, and we'll bring her in here. Hi, Grace. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good. Happy Fourth of July. Thanks for making the time. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Grace, uh, let's. the, the season's ended, um, so our questions would be, where, where will we find Grace Cooper, like Waldo? <laughs> uh, that's an excellent question. You know, after a first-year foray into the WNFC, um, that kind of just opened up the concept of being able to play uh, far from where you live. So, I don't know. I think there are a lot of options on the table. What, what was your uh, couple – I don't know, I want to say your experience in Denver, but, you know, like, what was your literally experience in Denver? You know, you arrive, new team, uh, you go through the season. Unfortunately, you had uh, an injury, right, a, a short-term injury there. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, season in Denver? Yeah, it, it was kind of a short-term injury. It was much shorter than it could have been. I ended up uh, fracturing my tibial plateau, which, uh, fortunately for me, uh, healed as quickly as those can, and it wasn't a surgical thing. Um, but that was pretty frustrating to go through all the work of getting out on a new team and then have it derailed like that. But it's definitely a different experience being an out-of-state player. Um, kudos to all of the other athletes and teams that make that work well. There are just a lot of moving pieces that have to coordinate 
with having coaches all on the same page, players all on the same page, making sure stuff gets relayed uh, back and forth from practice. So it was a whole different experience. It was a lot tougher than I thought it would be um, just to kind of stay in the loop. But we made it work. We were able to get out to Denver quite a few times, more than just games. So that was definitely helpful in terms of being able to pick up the uh, Denver way of play, so to speak. Kind of interesting because the dynamic is in the WNFC, we we got the influx of international players, but also, you know, domestic players from other states, which was kind of unique, right? Because not like, it's like there's a small group of these folks and then there's the core at home, right? So now everything has to work on a, on Saturday for the most part in terms of to make it all happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that really was the tricky part. And um, Denver did a really awesome job of recruiting a lot of out-of-state players and a lot of out-of-state talent. But then the um, flip side of that is that on game day, there were a lot of out-of-state players who were starting and who were playing on the field. Um, so I know in the beginning we definitely had some more hiccups and the play was a little bit rougher just because it was trickier to iron out the little nuances of team play that you miss when you're not actually there with the team very often. Now, the season started off pretty uh, pretty well for you guys, and then, uh, you know, uh, Houston first loss, and then all of a sudden you guys get into the uh, – at the end, it was basically a reward basically for all the – for the tough schedule that you guys were having throughout the season in terms of, you know, that central division, which was tough. Um, you're accustomed to, like – you know, Minnesota-St. Louis, Minnesota matchups that way in terms of rivalries. Uh, what what was your your best, you know, matchup? Was it Mississippi, you guys think, at this point, going up against Mississippi? Was it against Texas Elite? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably harder for me to answer as somebody who spent a lot of the season watching from the sideline. Um so it's harder to answer a question like that because I don't know that I had the best uh, gauge on the other team. But for sure the quality of play, the teams that we played against in the WNFC, were so much harder than what I ever played against in the WFA. Respect to St. Louis, respect to Boston, um, but the WNFC teams were by and large a lot more difficult, so it's hard for me to even really single out one that was the hardest. Now, you've seen Texas, you've seen Boston, uh, Texas, similar to Boston, I, I guess, in a lot of ways in terms of offense and in terms of defense. And so it was, you know, what, 34 to, 34 to 6 that game or 28? I think it was 28 at one point. Uh, holding down Texas to 28 points, that was pretty impressive for, you know, for your team. Yeah, I coming into the season, we knew that Denver had been uh, – wanted as having this really good defense and that was the case the Denver defense really hung in through a lot of really tough games um but I think the offense was where the concept of having so many out-of-state players struggled just with the communication of plays and game plans and everything because the offense had all of those out-of-state players and then coming up with a cohesive game plan made it really hard to score points in some games I think that's what we saw because you you got the you got the sense that the receiving core and the QB 
were somewhat okay, but you also got the sense that the line wasn't as, uh, I guess, unified. Is that the word? Like it wasn't as streamlined. And so that also caused some of the, uh, you know, offensive chemistry, right? Because you need, you need a, a wall to stand up a little bit for you to have timing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, also coordinating, like, uh, speaking from personal experience as a running back, one of my favorite things to work into a practice is, uh, like, an inside run period where you're working through your um, zone blocking, man blocking, knowing what to expect of your line under specific scenarios. Uh, That's something even at the Nine Cup weekend when we had that skills camp and I was working with Jennifer King. She said that's something the commanders do all the time because how can you expect a running back to react correctly to what the line is doing if the running back doesn't know what the line is doing? Um, And that wasn't something, for whatever reason, that we did a whole lot of out there. So that could be an area of growth for future years. But stuff like that makes it really hard to have a run game when the line doesn't know what the running back is doing, running back doesn't know what the line is doing, it's kind of just a free-for-all. Free-for-alls don't usually work very well. Yeah, and then the end result, obviously, is uh, lack of scoring, and you end up make, basically uh, being at the uh, short end of the stick at this point. Um, you traveled uh, a lot, so did you get to sightsee in Denver, Grace? Or were we able to go into yeah, Colorado? We or yeah, we were actually able to do quite a fair bit of sightseeing in Colorado. Um, I, uh, I'm a teacher, so on my spring break, we were out there for a whole week. So we got to do uh, um, some traveling around and um, kind of like taking in the city. Uh, it was also really nice to make some friends out there. So we spent time kind of sightseeing with friends, hanging out. So that part was really nice. That was a fun aspect of traveling. Now, your rehab was short. Was Did you know it was, okay, this is not good? And did you realize, okay, maybe it's not so bad as, as you initially thought at that point in terms of your injury? When it originally happened, um, I think it happened in the Mississippi game, which was super frustrating because it was the first drive. It was a, a really good drive. I was excited for that game. It was going to be good, and then knees hurt. Uh, when it first happened, it was the same knee that I had ACL surgery on just about a year ago. So your first initial thought is, have I done my ACL again? Um, mm-hmm. But it felt different than that. It felt pretty good, almost to the point where I had some, like, muscle spasms that were also happening, and if those hadn't been happening, I would have tried to play again. Um, and I ended up playing on it in our playoff game against Texas about – six weeks, eight weeks after the injury. Um, And the doctor said, you know what? It's not advised, but go for it. And I said, thank you. I will be playing then. So that was was nice, I guess, in a way. uh, It wasn't so bad, right? It wasn't like severely bad in in a sense where you can't play. Yeah, it was actually really (laughs) – I've never had an injury in a season that was just like a – Oh, like take three weeks off and then you'll be fine. I've had, mm-hmm. well, your season is done, or you can play and be very hurt until the end of the season when you fix it. But yeah, I've never had something that's just kind of a little blip like that. In terms of Texas, uh, Grace, you get to you got to see them twice. What do you think it will take to take them down? I mean, at this point, 
the only thing we have that has t- that has gotten close to taking him down in the finals is the triple option by the Utah Falcons under Rick Rasmussen. Five-point gap. Everybody else has not been able to do anything, you know, like meaningful to shut them down. Yep. I'm a big component for things like a triple offense. Um, anytime that you make – anytime that you make – a defense have to read multiple options. It's going to be harder for the defense. But like any good team winning championships, a team has to be able to pass the ball and run the ball. And everybody saw, I mean, like, we could sometimes do one of those or could sometimes do the other one, but really struggled to have a run game and a pass game. And if you have no run game, then the defense can just play two safeties and blitz the quarterback, and if you have no pass game, then they can just load the box, and then you can't run. Literally what they did against Gore, right, Grace, <laughs> in the finals? 100%. They said, well, you're not going to run the ball a whole ton, so we will make it really hard for you to throw, and we're going to make it really stressful for you. Yeah, I mean, I was just like – I the first the first series – uh, we, we're uh, chatting on our chat board, right? And we were like so giddy because we're like, okay, this is going to be a great game. And they go out there and what half the quarter, and we're like, okay, this is this is going to be great. First challenge, you know. Then they cannot score in the end zone. And the moment we saw that, we were like, me and Mark were like, okay, this is not good. <laughs> you can't score in the end zone. You took away almost half the quarter. Uh, it's not going to end well. And it literally that's that's what happened. One hundred percent. And it's crazy, right, to think that way, but it's like it was just like too real to not. I mean, it's like the game plan was Rashawn Gore, can you beat us, right? Because she was the running game, literally the whole season. It's like, can you mm-hmm. beat us with your legs? And I, I, I was kind of disappointed in in uh, Regina and you know not so much Nick's, but Regina and uh, and the receivers because they they had to step up, right? This is, this is like the best team in terms of the league, and this is the game you got to step up. And so it's, it was kind of like the timing was off. But, you know, credit the defense, right? They also created the diversion, so it wasn't as easy to catch the balls too. I do, yeah, I do think that, um, I mean, pressure brings out all of our uh, most, like, biggest areas to work on. And uh, I, one of my biggest pet peeves is coaches saying, you got to catch that or you got to hit that hole because at the heart of it, every athlete knows that you have to catch the ball. Um, so I know, like, next year in the WNSD, I'm really looking forward to pushing for coaches more actively teaching and helping players get better because I think the whole year that I've been in football, I've made, or the whole, like, six or seven years, I've maybe had one good coach who really taught me how to be a running back the other coaches were like, well, you just got to hit the hole. You, you just got to run. And you come back and you're thinking, I am running. And as a wide receiver, I could imagine being in that game, seeing the yep. ball get overthrown five yards and thinking, what am I not doing? And then you want to see coaches saying, you're getting jammed on the line. Do uh, hes- like hesitate your release to get the defender to lunge at you, and then you can – swim past her and then you're free and then you can go on your route things like that like I really want to see players being told how to excel not just do the basics because like we saw the basics won't get you very far 
Yeah, and it was it, it was an interesting matchup to you know to begin with, but at the same time, uh, reality is reality. Texas got going, Bushman got going, right? Jackson got going, uh, Landry, everybody started going. I mean, we can just go ahead and write the story. I was, after the first quarter, I was like, oh my god, this is not going to end well. But it is what it is, and they are probably you know a good team, and they're probably the example as you mentioned earlier. Uh, they got uh, out of state players too. So it's kind of like either they're putting in more work or, I mean, they got to be doing something, right, to, to kind of stay synchronized. Oh, 100%. There, I think there's a ton more behind-the-scenes work that goes on when you have out-of-state players. When you're in-state and can show up three times a week, you just show up, learn, go home, and kind of forget about it. But out-of-state players, you have to have the network of the coaches making sure that players are all in the loop. You have to have players communicating outside of practice, talking about, who did what, what it's looking like, where they're going. Um, there's just so much more that goes into being connected as a team, and I think that's overlooked often. All right, so your Denver experience, you would say uh, it was awesome or great or good, if we had to classify it in terms yeah, of an education say, I would say it was a really good step in the football career. It was a really great experience. Now, the level of competition in the, in the center, I think, was the best out of the whole league. Because, you know, you got to see Mississippi. You guys got to see Texas twice. You got to face Utah, right? Uh, first first block out, Houston. So I think that was, you know, the, in terms of the Denver schedule, I think it was very competitive. And I, we were joking and at the same time serious. Uh, as of April 29th, uh, your team was in, the, was in the playoff every week until the actual postseason game. Because <laughs> literally you got Mississippi, Texas, Utah. <laughs> And Texas. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's funny. Yeah, and I think that's something that you don't even see in the NFL. Like, there were definitely times during the season where, especially being a running back, um, playing with an offensive line that's maybe still finding its groove and its connection. So, like, sometimes there are those miscommunications. Sometimes as a running back, uh, there were times in the season where I was like, man, I want to be in the WFA again and play some D2 teams. <laughs> <laughs> it just was so good, and it, uh, like every every play was a grind. Every single down you had to work for, so like the quality of play was definitely high. I think that's Grace. If you think about like what OJ's trying to achieve, right? If you look at the body of work she wants to achieve in terms of the brand, in terms of the competitive state of the, uh, of the games, the franchises obviously have. Some franchises have a, a long way to go in terms of better recruiting, right, as you said, and better recruiting for coaching too so that you make the game uh, more insightful for the player but also more entertaining for the fan. Yeah, absolutely. Like one thing that I think the sport especially needs, I think we need female coaches who have played because there's such a difference between men's football and women's football and uh, teams need – coaches who understand that um, because like you might have a coach come in and say we're going to just run verticals and I want you to bomb the yard or I want you to bomb the ball 50 yards downfield and it's like uh, we fundamentally that's not how we play football um, and so it's just things like that like if there are any women out there who are thinking of retiring and coaching please for the love of the game do it because we need you 
And I think that's the next level because it has to happen. A lot of the, a lot of the players are happening. I mean, we just had, uh, I think the, we had the notice yesterday about, you know, Essence Bell and uh, Nicole Lockett going into, you know, uh, stretching some of the, uh, one of the men's leagues. So, you know, they, they'll get their experience there and then bring it back, you know, maybe to the women's game, you know, in a better coaching environment, right? Taking it from the men's and then and kind of adding it to the women's side. Um, I think you had that in Minnesota, right? Uh, a couple coaches in Minnesota as well, right? A couple coaches who were what? I said you had a couple coaches, uh, former players. There were coaches in in uh, in the Vixen, right? Yes. Yep. We had a couple players who were former coaches. Um, sometimes it gets a little tricky when it's um, players who are on the same team, and then like the next year later, those players that you have, like I know uh, one of my friends. Her and another player played together on the offensive line for like 12 years, and then one retires and is back the next year as a coach. And then you have to work through the dynamics of, well, now my peer, my friend is my coach. So um, that, again, is another piece to the communication aspect where you have to set really clear expectations about those, like, new coach-player relationships. So I think it's a Mm -hmm. little trickier when it's a player from the same team who becomes a coach. But absolutely, it's a great thing to have players who understand some of those nuances who then go on to be coaches. Awesome. So um, you switched your number. And so 2024, uh, are you thinking of doing the same thing? Or are we still undecided or at this point? Uh, well, so I switched my number because 42 wasn't available. Um, so I switched it to 24 which I thought was fun, Um, turning over a new leaf, just flipping the numbers around. And I hadn't even realized it, but next year being 2024, the year of the number 24. So I think I might just keep the number and uh, see what luck has in store for me. So uh, are you uh, unclear of what team you'll go to, or are you returning to Denver at this point, or do we haven't decided anything yet? Haven't decided anything yet. Working on getting healthy. Um, having some time to really enjoy the game, make sure it doesn't become too much of a, a burden. Awesome. Uh, did your family enjoy watching you on WScore? <laughs> uh, yes, when the stream was working. I will say <laughs> having a um, having an app and a place to watch those games solely for women's football was really cool. Um, but I know that the Denver home games struggled sometimes with um, the stream being available or of a quality to be watchable. Um, and then I know just on other weekends there were sometimes W score um, hiccups, as there are going to be with any new thing. So, yes, they enjoyed when it was available. That's awesome. Um, well, I mean, uh, really good season for the Bandits in terms of an overall body of work. Two, you know, very competitive matchups in the last uh, what five, four weeks of the season between April, late April, up to the June eighth clash against Texas. So, you know, as a team, Grace, what what did you, did you feel like your teammates and the organization? I mean, I know they were probably disappointed against the loss against uh, you know Texas in the in the playoffs, but. Overall, I think, you know, they got to stand tall and pick themselves up and say, okay, we, you know, 
like I said before, you guys were literally in playoff mode from April 29th through uh, the playoffs against the top five or top four teams or top three teams, basically, in terms of the rankings. Yeah, it was a really long and difficult season, and I absolutely, like you said, I hope that they um, can all be really proud of that and how hard we fought. One thing that I will say, I have been on teams that got to difficult games and said, oh, you know what, win or lose, I'm just happy we made it this far, Um, which is just such a hard attitude to play with because then you're like, well, now it feels like you're not playing to win. The Denver team absolutely played to win until the very last second when we were down 34 to 6 against Texas. Um, the team never quit. And that is something that a lot of people um, might not be able to say in football because sometimes it does get really easy when you're in that long slog and it's hard and you're like, why are we even trying? We're not going to win. It does get really easy to quit. And I can say that I played with no quitters. That's awesome. I mean, and this is a really good organization. I mean, you talk about the, their history. Year one, they were not that great. Then year two, they improve. And then, you know, here we are in the, in the current state of the game. And, you know, to put up 30 points against Utah, uh, I mean, that was pretty impressive and shocking for us because, you know, you were only scoring, what, double digits? And all of a sudden, here we go, we, you know, you put up almost 30 points on Utah. And then, you know, the the, the, the matchups against Texas, I think, kind of just tell the story, right? Or you're just not You're not that close in terms of an offense until you get better offensively you're able to you're going to be able to compete with them you know because you got to score every time you're in the in the in the, uh, in the uh, opportunity zone in the red zone uh, you got to score against texas no there's no exceptions 100 percent yeah it'll right, definitely lady, be fun uh, to see the it'll definitely be fun to see the growth for denver like they're on a great trajectory now the recruiting stage is going to be like I've talked to a lot of teams and a, a lot of the coaches, and, and their thing is like, it literally the WNFC is like it's like, um, you know, high school. It's literally that kind of setup, right? Because I always tell everybody, a women's tackle football is the equivalent of, you know, high school. It's a four-year plan, right? You got a short window with certain players, and then you got to rebuild every four <laughs> years. It's like literally, you know, if not every two years, you're rebuilding. Because, you know, life happens, right? People leave, college, marriage, what you name it. Life happens and people decide to step away or not participate anymore, right? So until, we, until there's an actual money, right, until there's an actual paycheck that is going to supplement that, uh, it's literally the same way as, 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 as high school, basically. That's the way I equate the sport right now. It's, like it's, a, it's literally in a high school mode. It's a four-year commitment. If you get player for four years, and that's awesome, right? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a really great way to look at it. I hadn't thought of it like that. But, yeah, there's that constant cycle and turnover, and you're always looking to bring new people in to learn alongside the people who have played for a couple of years, and that cycle just keeps going. So hopefully, you know, it'll it'll evolve into a, a paycheck mentality where people will obviously will stay longer, right, or they'll be committed to the organization based on, you know, their intake that they're going to get. So, but it's, you know, it's it's – Nice to see a – for me, it's like the league, I think, has done enough as a fanfare mentality where if we don't get enough, you know, fans in the seats yet, uh, we're starting to generate some sort of engagement and awareness, right, in terms of a stream mentality or downloads or in terms of just um, 
engaging with the fans in terms of within their sponsors. So it's going to take a little bit of time for everybody to kind of just, you know, migrate to a, a brand. And I think they've done a pretty good job so far. We don't know what 2024 looks like, but, you know, overall, I think as long as the sport or the league is competitive and each franchise understands that they have to be competitive, it will just make it better. 100%. And that's something – it's a something that for sure all of the athletes in the WNFC and athletes and coaches and everybody involved in that brand has got to get on board with too because, like, we want to be professionals and we want to be regarded as pre- professionals – then we also have to start treating it like professionals. And coming to practices, doing the extra time outside of practice to learn, perfect the craft, uh, work with coaches, having coaches invested in the sport, um, because we can't, like, we can't just sit there and let people come to us and say, oh, the sport is so good, if we're not doing anything to make it good, you know. So I think that that's something that as more and more people buy into and really think, yeah, I can contribute to making this great, you'll really start to see the sport take off. Well, I know for you it's been kind of a journey, right, because you, you, you left uh, Minnesota, then you transitioned into this year, and we, you know, we were anticipating, obviously, more of an impactful season for you, but overall, you know, given the team and how it competitive it played for the last five weeks, I mean, if you would have been, like, there as a workhorse at a healthy state, Maybe the outcomes could have been a little different or more, you know, or closer as in, a, in a way. But uh, I really appreciate you coming in and being honest and candid. And as always, uh, really, uh, you know, giving us your insights and your truth in terms of, you know, your journey so far. And uh, we're kind of excited. I'm kind of excited to see where, you know, you're going to land, whether you're back in Denver or it's going to be somewhere different. But uh, anticipating that is, uh, you know, as fans, it's like we're just – where is going to be Grace Cooper in 2024? That's literally what we're going to be, you know, waiting for. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I love talking football, and I will always talk about the sport that I love and how to make the sport better. Um, and, I mean, like, my best season to date was uh, 2021 after I had had uh, more than a full year post my other ACL surgery. So uh, things are looking real good for next year, being a really great year. Uh, and, yeah, I'm excited, too, to see where I'll end up, um, whether it's back in Denver, whether it's somewhere else. Like we've talked about, there are a ton of really good teams out there, uh, and it would be it would be good to play for any of them. All right, Grace, thank you very much. Enjoy your happy uh, 4th of July. Thanks for making the time for me. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to see where you're going to end up at and how you're going to, you know, create a – another excitement for 2024 in terms of the season. So, and the WNFC, hopefully that's where we'll see you. So we'll see where you end up. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me, Oscar. You have a good night too. Yeah. Have a good night. Bye. All right, guys, uh, Grace Cooper of the Denver bandits and uh, what a talent. Unfortunately, you know, she thought she was going to be a little bit more impactful for Denver, but you know, a little bit of injuries here and there and that's how football works sometimes. But, you know, to her point, hey, the team played very competitive, never gave up, and they were, like, in playoff mode for the last almost four weeks. So a very important, uh, you know, point to make that this team did not give, you know, give up. They stayed competitive, and they played uh, their season till the end there, in- including the uh, the reward of being in the playoffs. So uh, don't forget, to guys, to subscribe and like our podcast. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the hour, 
really awesome uh, podcast uh, data that we got. So thanks to uh, Lexi Floor and T. Singleton. Uh, go back and uh, replay 451. Also, the talented uh, Adrian Smith and Angelica Grayson, 449, plus 447, Jasmine Ballard. And if you want to go all the way to the first episode of the season, and that would be with Coach Soho and also the talented Grace Cooper that we just talked to. And then Danielle Ayala here getting ready for the conference finals here in the National Conference Finals of the D2 against Baltimore. So you can get replay that as well. And she was out, out in the, at practice with the fireworks. So uh, pretty excited. She's going to be giddy to get up against Baltimore this weekend. So don't forget to go to our IG on Instagram, on our galleries, at No Joke Football on IG. If you want to get the uh, 4th of July specials there, go to Zazzle.com for slash Grand Beauties and you get some cool T-shirts uh, that we have on Zazzle. If you decide not to get anything from us, no big deal. Happy 4th of July gear is, is available at Zazzle, including uh, wedding stuff, uh, Star Wars, Marvel, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. So go to Zazzle.com for slash Grand Beauties. All right, we're going to bring in the crew into the mix here, and that's going to be uh, the backseat coach, Mark Simone, in the house. Mark, happy 4th of July. Hey, happy Independence Day to you, Oscar, and all our American listeners. Um, I hope everybody's celebrating uh, safely and, you know, haven't um, blown any fingers off, you know, toying around with fireworks. I'm going to make an apology in case you happen to hear fireworks going off over my house. Um, it is a, a bit of a tradition, I guess, in Boston, uh, particularly in my neighborhood, um, uh, that Independence Day is not just the day of fireworks in the neighborhood, but the beginning of a full summer of fireworks in my neighborhood. So you might hear a couple loud pops, just saying. Um uh, no, it's, can't it's be any louder than uh, Ayala's uh, interview in the background. <laughs> They're going off on the interview, so I'm pretty sure that's going to be the case. But no, you know, it's, it's, we got we we got to celebrate, right? It's it's just it's our uh, independence, and we got to be proud of that, and you know, and it, it works out. And then uh, at one point today, Mark Chestnut maybe wasn't going to eat his hot dogs, and I was kind of disappointed because a lot of people were betting wagers on that, so he ended right. up coming through. That's that thing about um, Independence Day is is turning on Sports Center at eleven o'clock and watching the hot dog eating contest, watching yep. the highlights. So I'm looking forward I to that. I can't do it, Mark. Like three in, three in, and I'm done. Like there's no way. No. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> I'm not up for that. I'm not up for that challenge. Sixty five hot dogs, not gonna happen. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. How many how many uh, slushies can you put down? Uh, I can do plenty of those. It's not a problem. Uh, maybe not as much as mm-hmm. uh, maybe not as much as Brian Sweeney, but you know. <laughs> well, don't don't get the brain freeze. That's my I'm advice all, to you. Uh, I've I've tried that before and it's not it doesn't work very well. <laughs> it doesn't work. Uh, t- uh, let's bring in Terry Lister into the into the fold here. Terry, what's going on? Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th, guys. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. Uh, did you get your workout today? Getting ready for the food? Uh, yesterday. Today is a holiday. Yesterday. Okay. I'm not sure if you guys have heard, so on national holiday. Did you, 
I relax, take the dog for a walk, and and uh, hang out in the AC, try to lay low. So this is your cheat day? Today is your cheat day? Yeah. Like, okay, this is my That's right. That's right. Um, uh, Terry, I just talked to Grace about the Denver experience, and uh, she was uh-huh. telling us about, you know, all, everything that happened in Denver. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you know, how your team never quit till the end, like she said. So, uh, and, and you had mentioned that before, too, so pretty impressive. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, she was a part of that, you know, triple overtime game in Kansas City where we could have easily uh, given up <laughs> several times, and she scored the game-winning two-point conversion. And um, even the even the loss to Texas in the, in the playoffs, um, I was proud of our team not giving up because, you know, when things aren't going your way and you're not able to move the ball on offense, it's easy to kind of let the momentum um, – you know, in the negative way, kind of like snowball. But I think we did a good job of fighting and um, fighting to the bitter end. So at least we have that going for us. Yeah, it was really good. And like I said, the schedule literally was more of a playoff mode for you guys from April all the way down to the final in terms of the playoffs. So you guys were like, you know, in, in the mix of everything. So it was it was a kind of a trial, I guess, for 2024, Terry. <laughs> can, you, can you play Texas twice and Mississippi twice? Yeah, I mean, we had never played Texas until – well, actually, I think about it, we, had, we hadn't played Mississippi either. So, like, yep. obviously, Houston Mamas were, were a new team, so we never played them, and we, ne- we had never played Mississippi or Texas. So, a lot of first-time matchups for us, which is really cool. Um, so, it's a good, like – it's good to see how we stack up against them currently, um, and I'm, I'm excited to see how, how that goes in future years. So, kind of a good barometer to see where we need to be. Yeah, so uh, let's get into this, uh, the matchups, Mark. Um, New Mexico seems to be the favorite. Uh, Zydeco seems to have a, you know, obviously not agree with that. So this American Conference Championship is going to be kind of like uh, something we got to watch, you know, in terms of Banditas is on a a really good high. And Zydeco, you know, obviously they'd like to go back to the, you know, to the big stage. Right. I mean, as as Terry said, uh, was talking about uh, his Denver Bandits seeing a lot of new teams. This is a, a matchup that hasn't happened before. Uh, the Mendinas are um, more or less a new team. Um, and uh, I don't think they've ever – I don't think any team from New Mexico has ever faced um, the, the Zydeco, um, whether they were the Acadiana Zydeco or now the Zydeco Spice. So – Completely new matchup, uh, which is very exciting and perhaps one of my favorite things about um, being this deep in the playoffs of uh, particularly Division Three is that you get matchups that just are you know you would almost you know never see them in the in a regular season. That's a key right there because um, if we uh, if we take uh, Terry, we look back at the New Mexico schedule. It was back in, uh, I think it was, what, week, uh, May May 20th. Yeah, May 20th, uh, I want to say week six, if I'm correct, or, yeah, week seven. Uh, when they took down Mile High, when they edged Mile High, they started this this, mm-hmm. this uh, nice, they were on a, what, a four-game, uh, three-game winning streak, and then they, whoop, they get that win against Mile High. Really, really energized them. They go up against Sun City, and they get edged by four points, 
but they redeemed themselves against the Rocky Mountain. So what do you think, you know, Mexico, New Mexico here, uh, a win, a loss, Zydeco could be also one of those, uh, you know, scary games where they could be just like Sun City where they're just like, hey, we're not scared of you, you know, coming in here. Yeah, like Mark said, I mean, when you have these matchups where it's teams that have never played each other and they don't have common opponents, it's really hard to see how the game will play out. Um, unfortunately, the current reality of our, our sport is um, not, all, not all women's tackle football games, even playoff games, are streamed. And so in a perfect world, all the playoff games would be streamed. We'd all be able to watch them live or watch the replays and feel more informed than we are about these teams to kind of break down the matchups. But since it's not the current reality, all we can really go is based on the stats that we have and um, previous scores and the playoff scores. And so based on that, I would say that the Benitas are playing cleaner football, um, which is a testament to the 22-0 victory they had over the Thundercats. And so because of that, I'm going to give them the edge versus Etico. Um But – that's with limited knowledge, so take that with a grain of salt, I, I guess. Mark, um, if you're if you're Zydeco, I mean your schedule was pretty competitive. Pro, D two, right? Pretty much yep. two pro teams, two D twos, and you didn't fare well at all. So no, uh, unless the you know unless the Bonita's offense is going to be explosive, uh, the last game kind of showed. Uh, that they barely got out of Sears Falls. We, we would be having the Snow Leopards taking on New Mexico right now. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, to Terry's point, you know, it, it, on paper, if you look at what's on paper, I think Benitas are the uh, the clear favorite on paper. Um, but as you said, uh, Oscar, you know, there's always this, the chance that Zydeco is just going to be a lot better than expected. And I think, uh, I, I think the spice are kind of in a good position to be like the underdog that's been flying under the radar. But, um, when you do look back at the scores in their past performance, you know, there isn't anything particularly impressive. I think, you know, as, as you mentioned, they, they face D one teams and D two teams in a, in addition to, the Oklahoma Rage, who is a Division Three team, and um, you know they, as you said, they didn't fare well. I mean, the I think the most remarkable thing that they did was win this past uh, week's uh, playoff game in the first round, going on the road and uh, defeating the Sioux Falls Snow Leopards by you know shape, you know by single point. Um, so, I mean, I think that's pretty impressive. Um, I don't think that was particularly, um, you know, ex- expected when you look at what's on paper. But they got the job done. Um, the question is, can they keep that going against the Benitas? They're going to have to travel again. Um, so, uh, you know, and it's a long, you know, to, to, two road trips in a row. So there might be some attrition there and um, there might be some, you know, travel weariness. We'll, we'll see. Well, Terry, uh, in terms of a coaching mentality, if you do travel light, low numbers, that's always a factor, right? Because now you're playing two-way. 
uh, Mex- New Mexico has been literally just waiting for you. And then New Mexico so far, based on my research, uh, Roshana Brooks and uh, Mia Melter, so the run game has been the Benitez, uh, you know, basically the bread and butter is the run game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a, it's a really good point by Mark that, you know, the reality, another reality, <laughs> I'm full of realities in the sport. Another reality of our <laughs> current sport is that, um, you know, traveling in the playoffs specifically for uh, D3 teams or even D2 teams sometimes can be a factor. You know, that can literally be the, the difference between you being competitive or not being competitive versus your opponent. So um, that, that doesn't bode well for the Zydeco uh, team traveling to the Benitas. But, yeah, Brooks is a really good player. Um, I've played – or I shouldn't say played. I've coached against her in the past when she's played for um, other teams. And um, I, I, I compare her to Reggie, Reggie Bush as far as her skill set. So she's a dynamic player. She can take, you know, reverses. Um, tosses, you know, counters between the tackles, outside of the tackles, and um, she's tough to stop. So, Vedical will have their hands full trying to stop a player like uh, Brooks. So, we'll see if they're able to corral her. Mark, uh, overall, the quarterback, I mean, it's not bad, 50% rating in terms of the season uh, for Mariah Bartlett, but overall, the uh, you know, the core uh, makeup, of this Benitez team is obviously the run game, and that's something that the Spice is going to have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Brooks has had, a, you know, an outstanding season, um, almost 900 yards rushing and 13 touchdowns. Uh, it's certainly among the best, if not the best, in Division Three, um, and perhaps, you know, uh, the entire uh, WFA set. Um, so, um, she's a she's a obviously the biggest threat that uh, the spice have to be concerned about. Um, but similarly, um, the spice have um, Shawnee Valier, who also topped at 800 yards this year. So you know they have their own running threat. So I, I feel like we're going to see. Um, I think we're going to see some smash mouth football. I think we're just we're going to see um, a couple of running attacks just um, really um, attacking each other. And who you know, it, it might be the defense that that makes all the difference in this game. If you look at the if you look at the ranking stats for it, Cydeco uh, is very low ranked in terms of offense and defense. So they've only uh, they've only have one one uh, basically key right here in Valiard. And then uh, if Alfred gets going, pretty uh, pretty good in that sense. So it's either going to be contributions on the run game. So we have two Terry, two teams that literally run heavy. So that's going to be literally the matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to your point, Brooks is number two, second D three for rushing, eight hundred seventy seventy four yards rushing, and then Shawnee Valier, Valier um, for the spice. Almost has identical yards, um, but more carries. So Brooks has the, has the edge with average, um, and Brooks also has scored double the, the amount of touchdowns, which uh, yep. speaks to our, our prediction that Benita should should have the edge in this one. But um, we'll see how it plays out, plays out on the field. So we're predictions here. Um, do we are we giving uh, Benita's kind of the edge here? I think so. I'm. Yeah, I'm giving the Benitas the edge. 
Um, yeah. But I won't be surprised if it's a if it's a closer game than what the paper might the you know the stats might indicate. I'm I'm thinking it's going to be the, similar to what you got the Snow Leopard game. It might go down to the wire. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It could be a one or two mm-hmm. point victory that type of deal, especially with the run game on both sides. It could be just that kind of game. I'm going to say 28-14 Benitez. Write it down, fellas. Write it. <laughs> so you're you're going to go on the Nate tour of predictions. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. You're welcome. All right. Cool. So we're look, we're taking uh, we're taking uh, New Mexico to edge uh, Zydeco. So if I'm pretty sure Zydeco is listening to us and going, no, we're not. That's not happening, right? So they're going to have to just show us when they arrive in New Mexico how that's going to work. Um, Mark, let's talk about your little uh, realm of the world there. The mayhem, a season off, they get to the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure um, this is this is not shocking to anybody, but they did play pretty well all season, uh, 30, 30 points or more in terms of scoring. Uh, I don't know how the competition was. They took on uh, Northern Connecticut, uh, their, their biggest challenge was the Wolves, which they didn't fare well. Uh, the other challenge was the knockouts. Uh, everybody else, they pretty much were able to do, you know, almost 30 points uh, against. And they beat yep. the knockout by one point. So um, if if you're basically um, Maggie Schofield, uh, you're feeling pretty good right now, considering, you know, your output. And then in terms of the rushing game, it it's uh, pretty good in terms of the rushing game. I, I think it's committee right there, so... You got Mahela and Emily doing during the work. So going up against the Coyotes, that's maybe a little different challenge than what they've been facing all season. Yeah, I would dare say that it is. Um, um, I, I think you know it was very tough uh, for the Mayhem and, and its players when um, they were not able to field the team last year. They made the decision to you know, ex- extend their, uh, their break, so to speak. But they were ready to come back. I think it's very clear that they were ready to come back this year. Um, you know, typically in the past when they would face teams like Connecticut Hawks, it was a bit more of a closer competition. But um, this year, uh, the mayhem just – they were clearly the better team over um, – the the nightmare and the Hawks, whom they had close games in the past, um, and they played, you know, the the knockout close early in the season, losing, you know, only eight to eight to twelve, so uh, a four point uh, loss to a team that is kind of expected to make it to the playoffs. So I I think that was an early litmus test for them. Um, and the outcome of that game, they probably felt they knew that they could com- they'd be com- competing for a, a playoff spot, and uh, they made it. And as it turned out, they defeated the knockout to advance. Now, um, they've done that with, well, you know, as you say, like you know, uh, there's a committee of people that have just scored touchdowns. Um, the ball's been spread around by. Um, uh, in the passing game, but that's not really their bread and butter. You know, she did throw seven touchdowns and only two interceptions, which is great, um, and 82.9 rating. But uh, most of their um, scores have come on the ground uh, in the rushing game uh, by the players that you mentioned. So 
um, the question is, can can that offense be effective against um, the Coyotes uh, in this upcoming playoff game? Uh, Terry, to his point, uh, if we look at the rankings, number two ranked D3 Coyotes in terms of offense, number four ranked offense Mayhem, number two ranked defense Mayhem, number three ranked defense Coyotes. So this is a dogfight matchup in terms of an evenly matchup. And if we look at the, you know, the stats on the paper, uh, the defense uh, Mayhem only allowing seven points per game, Coyote allowing 11 and a half. So that could be the factor right there. Yeah. Um, when you look at um, team scoring and team defense, they're pretty evenly matched. It makes me wonder how accurate these stats are, because if you're looking for Coyotes players um, for individual stats, you'll have a hard time finding some. And so I don't think that's because they didn't have, you know, like they didn't have enough stats to be on the board. I, I think it's more likely that it wasn't um, recorded properly. That's a bummer because um, we try to go out of our way to mention these athletes because they deserve it. And um, there's that many, many coyotes on the list for uh, the, the stats. So besides for passing, they have uh, Patrice Colley. She's the only one that I, I could find for passing, rushing, and receiving. And so I'm, I'm going to venture to say that that's not accurate. <laughs> and they had some, some players with, with good stats, but we, we don't have access to that, unfortunately. No, and if you go by the rankings, to my point, it's just they're just very competitive in that sense. So, yeah, both teams, yeah. both teams, um, you know, kind of like in the mix. Uh, I know mm-hmm. that the Mayhem schedule had New York and 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 uh, the knockout, where over in Coyote, uh, as we've mentioned before, right, battle tested. Uh, you had Fury, Dixie Blues, Orlando, and then you had uh, Virginia. So, I mean, if you want to give the edge, I guess we can say Palm Beach maybe has the edge here because of the, the more battle-tested schedule. Is it more battle-tested, though? I mean, mm-hmm. I, would, I would certainly venture to say that uh, Orlando is a tough team. Uh, and, mm-hmm. But I would also say that the other teams on their schedule, not that big of a test. Um, I would agree with you, you know, because Mike, Miami, I think, is not that great this year, period. Right. And, you know, they, like the Mayhem, this was their first game back from, um, you know, a few years off. But unlike the Mayhem, they were not very competitive um, in any of their games with the Fury. And, um, you know, Jacksonville as well, I think, you know, had a lot of trouble scoring points. And, uh, you know, the Wave Runners, um, that was a, a forfeit, and that was a team that um, had dropped down to the developmental division. So, um, you know, I'm really only looking at these Orlando Anarchy games. Um, but that's really quite enough to deduce that the Coyotes are probably pretty good. If you're coming in, uh, Terry, if you're Mayhem, understanding mm-hmm. that this is probably the better team in terms of, like, you know, scoring uh, in terms of 30 points or more. But if you're Mayhem, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you took a year off. This is the opportunity to go to Canton. <laughs> it's like literally you walk in going one step to Canton. So you got nothing to lose, basically. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by this matchup because the Coyotes, um, like you said, they put up some points. 
and they they had those that big win over Orlando um that kind of tested their metal. So they look like the mo- the more like flashy pick to win this game. The Mayhem, I mean, if you look at if you compare team rushing, Coyotes are 7, Mayhem's 8. When you go team passing, Mayhem is 9, Coyotes are 17. So once again, if the stats aren't correct, then all this doesn't matter. But um, if the stats are correct, that's a pretty big discrepancy between passing between the two teams. So that does give Mayhem the edge. That paired with them having home field advantage um, gives them a legitimate shot to knock them off. So I'm, I'm, I'm inter- interested to see how it plays out for sure. I'm going to give Mayhem the edge here because I think facing the Wolves um, and facing the knockout twice, uh, I think they get maybe, um, you know, because of the points per game allowed, I think they get an edge here for me. Um, so, I mean, I'm pretty sure Coyotes are coming in. Obviously, an opportunity, we talked about it, Mark. They come out of the WTFL into the WFA. Opportunity to land in Canton, that's pretty impressive in itself, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, uh, they've had a successful first season in the WFA, no matter um, what the outcome is in this game, you know, to um, put up a you know, five and one regular season record and get a win in the playoffs and advance to conference uh, title game. That's, 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 that's really awesome for them. Uh, they have obviously done a very good job um, assimilating to the play in the WSA. Um, so that's certainly to their credit. So it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, you have in the national conference, we have mayhem, Main Mayhem taking on the uh, the Coyotes, the Palm Beach Coyotes. Then we got in the American Conference, we have New Mexico Bonitas taking on the Zyco Spice. So pretty awesome. We'll get the links once uh, the WFA posts them out in terms of the YouTube feed or the, uh, you know, wherever they're going to have the, feed, the feeds. We'll get those out to you guys so you guys can watch the D3 finals as well. Um, Terry, anticipation here. Mac is packed and ready going up against Lady Forced. And you know what she felt like. She's a little salty, right? She's going to be a little salty going into that game. Well, when is she not? Let's be honest, boys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's also an intriguing matchup. Um, Nebraska's had a good season this season. Um, I've been impressed. You know, they they rebranded as a team and um, had a really good season. They're obviously in the playoffs for a reason. But – OKC is, as the, as the kids say these days, different. And um, I respect that Mac as an athlete is saying wait and see, um, but she herself has to wait and see uh, what OKC is going to do in person. So I think OKC is a better team. I don't think Nebraska is a bad team, so I think they can keep it competitive. Um, but I think OKC just playing – at a higher level. And so I think they will win this game decisively. Um, but I'm hoping that it, that it stays competitive for most of the game. If, as far as a prediction, I would say somewhere around maybe 35-14 OKC. Um, so that's, that's my prediction. Mark, uh, if you're Mac, uh, you didn't fare well in uh, week three, and you did finish the season strong. So her to, to her point, uh, they put up 38 points against C.S. Falls Leopards, but they're not the force. And they put up 42 points against the Austin Outlaws, but
but they're not the force. <laughs> so that's yep. uh, Terry's point. Yep. They will see the force <laughs> one more time. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. Um, and this is very interesting, um, being that this is a matchup that, um, you know, is a rematch from a regular season uh, game. And um, just to go back, the Pride lost um, 12-32 to 32 to the Lady Force. Um, for what it's worth, uh, 12 is the highest amount of points scored against the uh, Lady Force this year. But that's not saying much because, you know, that's only 12 points. And I, I think the Lady Force's offense is so explosive score more than 12 points, uh, you know, a lot more than 12 points, I think, to have a chance to, of beating Oklahoma City if, if you're the Nebraska Pride. So, so you know, that's the, that's, that's the call to the offense to um, try and continue this, this output that they've seen over the last couple games. So the Pride have put up 38 points against uh, Sioux Falls, in the regular season finale, and then 42 points against the Outlaws in the playoffs. Can they keep that? Can they keep that going? Um, that's the big question. Because 12 points just uh, isn't going to do it. Terry, um, if you're Nicole Skolnick, you have mm-hmm. to stay competitive. It's almost like Mississippi against Texas Elite, right? If you get in the red zone, you got to score. You got to put the points up. If you're Tiffany Wright or Essence Bell. Right, uh, if you're Kay Stennis, uh, you're in mm-hmm. you're in the red zone. You got to put you got to put up points. Otherwise, uh, this this force team could get away with it. You know what I mean? Just like Texas, you know, once they start rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually know these players. I actually have coached um, some of these players when they were in the WFC for All Pro Weekend. Um, so I know Nicole uh, Skolnick and. Uh, Tiffany Wright and um, Essence Bell was actually a part of the transfer portal in the offseason. So she was um, one of the players that picked the WFA team, and obviously that's Nebraska Pride. So shout out to her. So, yeah, they have really good weapons, good players. There's a reason they're in the playoffs. There's a reason they're still in the playoffs. Um, But, you know, Mark brought up the the previous score, which is 32-12, to um, and – I'll have you guys know that when I made my prediction of 35 to 14, I was not aware of that score. So shout out to me for, for even being that close. Okay. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. No, just kidding. Kind of. Um, yeah. But I just think, I think like at a certain point, guys, these teams are what they are, right? Like Nebraska team, Nebraska is a good team. They're going to fight you. They're going to make you earn it. Um, but, We've already seen how, how their team stacks up against OKC, and it was 35 to 12. So I think it'll be a similar score. It's in, it's in OKC once again, same venue, same opponent. Um, but if anything, OKC, I think, is playing at a higher level now, which you could see by the last game they won like 70 to zero. So um, they're just clicking on all cylinders, and it's going to be really tough for Nebraska to win that game. So. Mark, if you're Oklahoma City, um, you're coming in with a lot of confidence. We talked to T. Singleton on our podcast, and, you know, she was confident that obviously they're, they're doing what they got to do structurally. 
Um, Desiree Jeffries uh, has contributed. You had, uh, I think, Portia Rodriguez also contributed. So they have, uh, you know, a three-set type of uh, mix at quarterback. They also have the, you know, the committee in terms of running back, as she mentioned, which is Elizabeth Jones and uh, Tamara Sweet, and including Desiree Jeffries, who can run kind of like Rashawn Gore in, in, in a lot of senses that way. Um, so, you know, a lot of tackle in terms of Nebraska. I know, uh, you know, Max confident that her team's going to be very competitive, but to Terry's point here, you know, if, if push comes to shove, they got to score every time. And if can they do that? That's the question. Yeah. Um, I, obviously, you know, the pride are going to be doing everything that they can to slow down that, that offense. But, um, you know, they could get some help if, um, the Lady Forest are a little bit overconfident. Um, and I'm not saying that they're the type of team that gets overconfident, but, you know, when you've been putting up scores the way you have been when you're Oklahoma and you're playing a, a team in the playoffs that you already defeated, to be that natural tendency to uh, get a little bit ahead of yourself. Um, so, you know, kind of word of warning to the Lady Force. Um, you know, the pride is definitely thinking that they have a shot at this game. And I'll tell you why, um, you know, the, the pride just whipped the Austin outlaws, um, to advance to this game. And in the regular season, you know, this was the one game that the lady force did not look good in, you know, they, they only barely edged the Austin, these, those Mm -hmm. Austin outlaws 14 to nine. So I'm sure that the Pride are looking at that game and, and, and you know, finding their confidence in there and saying, like, listen, you know, if, if we can rep- replicate what the Austin Outlaws did to the Lady Force in that game, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a shot to win. So, um, you know, word of warning, don't look, don't look past the Nebraska Pride. Um, I, I feel like the... Uh, Lady Force, have, they definitely have the personnel and uh, the organization to go all the way. But you, know, you just got to take it one game at a time and, and get the job done. I mean, this is going to be on the Nebraska defense, right, Terry? Uh, we're talking Angela Bennett, Micah Richards. Mm-hmm. got Essence Bell playing both ways. John Smith, mm-hmm. the Mac, our Mac. It's going to be on defense because they, they got to they – gotta, <laughs> kind of reduce that 30-point margin to maybe an edge uh, 12 or, uh, I mean, under 20 to be maybe in the in the competitive state. Yeah, it's good news, bad news. The good news is I think Nebraska knows what they need to do to win the game. The bad news is I don't know if they can physically do that. Like, Elizabeth Jones has over 1,000 yards rushing this season. That's bananas. She has 14, touch, 14 rushing touchdowns. So, like, stuff you know like you game plan to stop Tara Thomas for Texas Elite but then can you actually stop Tara Thomas you know what I'm saying so there's a difference between knowing what you want to do and actually being able to physically do that and so so far this season not many teams have been able to stop Elizabeth Jones on the, on the ground which is, which is equal to a thousand yards rushing and so I, I, I think that will continue against Nebraska but I would, it would be awesome to see them contain her and make it a game um, that would be good for the sport. So I'm definitely not rooting against the pride. Um, I just think they, they're going to have their hands full. Mark, are you agree? 
Absolutely. I, I completely agree with Terry. I think this is going to be the, the intriguing matchup, right? Can, can the upset happen? Because this would be an upset in D2. If, this, if Mac and her pride take down the uh, force, that would be a shocking upset for the season, WFA season. It, it would never, certainly would be. We would never hear the end of it, uh, boys. We'll see what happens. That's right. That would be one for the ages, Terry. This would be one for the ages. And it would be salty for years to come. That's the word. It would be salty for years to come. <laughs> Pins and needles. We'll see what happens. Pins and needles. We, we would get an earful, uh, Terry, every season. We would get yeah. an earful. Remember what happened in 2023? To, yeah, I might have to mute the chat for a while. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But you know what? Uh, shout out to her and her team. Like you said, they made the playoffs. Here they are in the dance, right? Going up That's against it. one of the best teams in D2. So impressive. Um, Absolutely. Good Terry, luck, if you if you're Danielle Yala and the Wolves, you're taking on Baltimore. Is it much of a challenge? You've beaten them in, in history-wise. In history, you have beaten this team constantly. So I would definitely give New York, like, the, like I'm going to pick New York to win the game. The reason that it's intriguing is because when they played earlier this season, that game was super close. I think it was a three-point game, if I remember correctly. So they play, let's see, New York versus Baltimore. It was 28-14. Yeah, then the rematch was 18-15. to So the rematch, it was in New York, actually. New York only won by a field goal. So that's the only reason that I'm giving Baltimore a chance in this game. So they've proven that they can, they can keep it very close. New York barely won, um, and that was in New York. So that means that Baltimore can win. Will Baltimore win? I don't think so. I don't think New York came this whole way after getting screwed out of the playoffs last year to fall short to Baltimore, who they've owned, like you said. Um, but, you know, hip, uh, football isn't played on paper, so we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Mark, what do you think here? Uh, pressure on Vedic? Lauren Vedic? Pretty much pressure? Passing rating has been horrible. The run game is not so great either. You're talking about Avery Edelman and – Lauren Vettek and uh, Alicia Stewart, Alicia uh, Owensport, and I mean, so in terms of in terms of the schedule for the the Nighthawks, if we look at their schedule, uh, I mean, there's a couple games here against Tri-State, Carolina, right? Um, the Chaos was probably the most impressive two wins, and even the playoff game yep. against the Chaos was really win. So they got to either play as good as they played against Columbus and try to try to hold down uh, New York like they did back in June uh, when they lost by three. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, I don't think it's any coincidence that, you know, those close games that they won were low scoring games. Um, You know, this is, they have to keep this one close uh, against the Wolves. If this is like a, this is a, if this is a shootout or something, that's just not going to happen. Um, you know, if Baltimore wins this one, it's because for some reason um, New York cannot score uh, as much as they are accustomed to. So if New York only scores like uh, two two touchdowns, then um, Baltimore will will have a chance. But you know, 
something extraordinary is going to have to happen, I think, for uh, New York to be held to only a couple touchdowns. I'm not sure what that thing is. Um, you know, it, it would have to be like, I don't know, some kind of injury or, or, or something, or someone can't, you know, play in the game, something big. Um, so, you know, as, as the numbers stand, quite frankly, Baltimore looks uh, very outmatched, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah. but yet they played a close game, you know, with the Wolves mm-hmm. earlier in the season. So I, I kind of think maybe you can take these numbers and just kind of throw them out the window. <laughs> Terry, tell, tell I think that's what you're, that's what you're saying, right, Terry? Because this is literally exactly. a rivalry game. They know each exactly. other too well, right? To where it's like right. this is just a toss-up game. It's like a flip of a coin mentality. Who's going to be hey, the better man. team on this day? Just like the AFC North, sometimes records don't matter, matchups don't matter, the players don't matter. Just sometimes teams play each other closely because they know each other very well. So I think that's what the, what, what's um, going to be the case in this game. My two th- two questions for you, Oscar. I think you just interviewed um, the quarterback for New York. So when I looked up the stats. Daniel Ayala um, is up there for passing, but so is Karen, Karen Mulligan. So do you have the insight with that? Because it looks like Karen Mulligan had six touchdowns, two picks. Ayala had five touchdowns, five picks. Um, do you know, like, did one of them get hurt, or did they have a dual quarterback system, or what was up with that? So Daniel got hurt, uh, was okay. on a concussion protocol, and gotcha. so – Karen, who else to take over for you? How convenient, right, Mark? Yala goes down. Yeah. Goes, oh, let's bring in Karen Mulligan. <laughs> That's no big deal. So we get bring uh, the legend Karen Mulligan, who is the backup, and then you also have mm-hmm. Allison Ganley, who's also played pretty decent in the season in the absence, and she's got no no TDs, no interceptions, but um, you know she played pretty well at this point. So I, I think New York uh, with da- uh, Danielle coming back really is consistent. And you got Gina Caparty as well, Fergardi G. Uh, and they got Perota as well. So, Mark, I think they're, uh, you know, if you had to, you know, make a decision here, I think it, it kind of favors New York, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, we, we see a lot of names from uh, very good teams from the past. And um, I, I think we – um, we know what the Wolves can do. And, um, you know, in this last game against the Atlanta Rage, they beat a team that looked, uh, like pretty good on paper and on film. Uh, the Atlanta Rage, uh, had a very good season. Um, and the Wolves just, they had to travel. They went on the road and, uh, they handled them like, and they won yep. 31 to six. So that's an impressive victory. So, uh, I mean, that just shows to me that they had the mojo going on, right? And mm-hmm. so if they, if they have that mojo going on still for this game, then they'll be very tough to beat. I agree. So I think New York's probably the favorite here. OKC, uh, favorite on the other side. Interesting clashes, right? An offensive output team against another offensive output team if the results do um, – make out the way they are. So it's going to be OKC, mm-hmm. maybe New York at this point. Um, but, you know, like Max said, it's got to be played, right? So you got to figure That's it out right. and see 
We'll see if New York, uh, I mean, uh, Nebraska actually shocks the WFA playoffs road to Canton scene here this coming weekend. Um, so, Terry, uh, do mm. we even want to discuss Renegades Alabama? You talked about low numbers. You oh. talked about the fire coming oh, in. Uh, we talked about the Renegades being pissed off since the Pittsburgh game, and they're just kind of on a roll again. Um I don't anticipate Boston in terms of their coaching staff, Terry, and their nucleus team to come in here and say, we're just going to lose it (laughs) one step closer to Ken. I think they want to go back on the Patriots plane. What do you think? Yep, I think that's fair to say. We're definitely going to talk about it. I guess I want to ask you one question before we move on to that game, if you don't mind, Oscar. This is for Mark also. So if if you're the New York Wolves coach, and you have Karen Mulligan and Danielle Ayala at quarterback, and they've had they've had a little bit different stats for the year. How do you decide who starts in the playoffs? Like, how would <laughs> how would you decipher that? And the second thing I want to shout out is the receiver, Gina Capardi. Beautiful mm-hmm. Italian name. So I think we just, we mm-hmm. just acknowledge that. Beautiful name, probably probably a, a, a magnificent play, player. So as an Italian, I just have to point that out. Um, <laughs> you know, Fabrizio Mola, beautiful. But yeah, what would you guys say about the uh, the quarterback comparison? Because they can start either quarterback. That Danielle's, um, she's like the, you know, the the normal starter, but the other quarterback had better stats. So, how do you think that would play out? Like, what would you what would be your guess? So we're going Steve Young and and Joe Montana. Joe Montana. That's the analogy yeah, I'm giving you. Yeah. That's a wrap. So they're going with the they're going with the Yala. If something doesn't go right in the game, I'm pretty sure they're they're not going to hesitate to plug in Mulligan. Okay, fair enough. Do you agree, Mark? Yeah, I think that's probably how it goes. I, you know, um, Ayala was the starter at the beginning of the season. Um, right. they, you know, they they've been working for you know a few years to develop her. Um, you know, Mulligan is retired once already think she was expecting really to to play except in emergency situations um so i i expect mulligan will be suited up and ready to go in that event but i i do expect ayala to be under center gotcha fair enough so my two cents and then terry yeah and terry this is this is the new york wolves first playoff appearance as a franchise so it's not the sharks as an example that's true. That's true. Last year, last year we all know what happened. So I'm sure mm-hmm. the Trump had the bit get the uh, the big dance. So we'll see if they're able to finish the job. Um, but yeah, sorry, sorry to uh, have the interlude. So yeah, Boston, Alabama. Um, as we always say, Boston is Boston. They're a different monster. Alabama is a very good team. Um, Alabama and St. Louis are the two teams that have smaller rosters but seem to do more with less, in my opinion. And that makes makes for an intriguing matchup. I think Alabama's good enough to keep the game competitive um, for the first quarter or two, but I think the the war of attrition will catch up to them. And so I, I see this game ending up somewhere around um, maybe forty two to twenty one or forty two to fourteen, um, Boston. But um, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens because Alabama. Alabama and their players are a very confident bunch. <laughs> and so they kind of, uh, on social media, you can tell that they, they don't fear anybody and they want to play the best. 
And so they're going to get a taste of one of the best teams in the nation um, on Saturday. So I'm eager to see how that plays out for them. All right, Mark, if you're Courtney Billingsley, and if we don't know if Kelly Smith is going to make the trip, as Terry had mentioned the last podcast, if you're not full force fire, uh, this could get ugly quick, kind of like the Diva game, <laughs> kind of like all the other games that Boston has <laughs> been able to just fireworks yeah. put together. Yeah, right. Kelly is gone. Um, I, I, I found that out, Mark, so we can bank on Kelly okay. Smith being Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, obviously the team is prepared for Kelly Smith, and it's hard <laughs> for me to imagine – it's hard for me to imagine – that she wouldn't be at this game. Um, uh, obviously, it, Oscar, if if Kelly Smith did not make the game, that's you're missing a really really key piece. She's I I think it's pretty clear that she's you know in the running for the MVP of the league with 888 yards and like 15 rushing touchdowns, and she plays defense too. I mean that's the whole thing that about this Alabama fire team that Terry alluded to is that all the, you know, when you have a small roster like that, your players uh, are, get tough, right? These players are tough. They're tougher than your average like player. Cause they're playing both ways and they, you know, they have to have that endurance. And so they're like carved of wood and certainly <laughs> it's got to be a part of the, renegades game plan though um to wear them down um particularly um particularly on offense alabama lives um on big plays that's how they score mm-hmm. their touchdowns yep that's how they outscore the other team and that's how they win the games so boston is going to make them work work for every yard that they get so if they're you know unlike other games they're playing if we can stop them from like ripping off uh, 20-yard runs on you know first and second down and make them play three downs, you know every you know to to get a first down every single time, that's they're not used to that. By the second half, you know it, it's going to begin to take a toll. Um, I do I do I feel like that they're you know they are explosive team. I feel like they're going to score points. I think they're going to like they're definitely going to provide some challenges for Boston's defense, um, but I think offensively for Boston, um, they're going to put up they're going to put up points. I don't think there's anything in the in the Alabama defense that is going to divert Boston off their game plan. So if it's a foot race, if it's whoever can score the most points, I think as Terry predicts, like that final score is probably going to end up something like, you know, 42 to 21, 42 to 28, maybe. And Terry, if you're uh, Carrie Isom, uh, Matrice Presley, Wanisha Thomas, LaShondra Irvin, <laughs> Genosia Thomas, Kelly Smith, uh, all these names mm-hmm. on defense, you, you, you're going to face the international committee. <laughs> and, so can yep. you do that for four quarters to the international committee? It's going to be such a tall task to ask. Yep, yep. There's, unfortunately, there's no way to simulate that in practice. 
and uh, they're going to get a nice dose of thunder and lightning with uh, Mata and Kusinen on Saturday. So yep. uh, Boston, I mean, the Boston game plan is kind of simple in my opinion. Like the like the number one rule is stop Kelly Smith. If you can do that, yep. you have a great chance to win the game. Um, but everybody tries to stop Kelly Smith, and most people are unsuccessful, which is why she led the, the WFA Pro in rushing. So um, Kelly Smith is a dynamic, like, generational athlete, but to your point, Kusin and uh, Mata are just different. Um, and so, like, it's one thing to have a, a good running back like Kelly Smith to stop and focus on, but to have Mata with her speed and agility – getting to the edge, and then Kusinen, who's between the tackles, like, run you over like Mike Allscott. I mean, it's just such a deadly combo. And so um, Alabama will have their hands full. I think they'll, they'll play very hard. They definitely won't give up. But I think in the second half we'll see that world attrition kick in, unfortunately, for Alabama. And I think Boston will pull away. All right. So, Mark, if you're the slam, you're one point to the goal to meet the best team in the WFA in Canton. Uh, Mrs. Hayes and company are going to falter here. That's my point in terms of the slam. Yes, uh, another matchup here. Uh, that's a rematch of a regular season game. Um, two regular season games. In fact, this is the third time that the Vixen and the slam will be meeting up this um, uh, this year. And so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, to be a little bit flippant, the real question is, can Minnesota score a point at all on the yeah. Because they got shut out yeah. twice, right? So is this Shots game going to be the same, more of the same, or is it going to be different? That's the question. And, Terry, you gave up a, mm-hmm. a, a point that maybe you didn't want to give up in the last game, and maybe you're in, like, the Boston mode. You're, you're coming in here pissed off. This is our rival. We've beaten them twice. They're not stopping us to go to Canton. I mean, that's literally the mindset for uh, Coach Quincy, right? Just one step to Canton. And he, yeah. he would love to go up against the Renegades. I mean, even if he loses, it's still going to be kind of like a big class, right? The the dream of a coach to go up against the best team in the WFA. Oh, absolutely. If I know Coach Quincy, um, he doesn't really care about the last game. So, like, Cali scoring on them, you know what I mean? I think it was 14-14 at halftime. Then the final score was like 49-14. to Like, he doesn't really care about, like, obviously it sounds good to not give up any points on defense for the whole regular season. But, like, at this point in the season, he's trying to just move, like, win and move on, right? And so I don't think he really cares if he wins by three or 33. Um, He just wants to win and move on and get a chance to, to play Boston. But I do think the score will be similar to previous scores. I think their previous games were like twenty to zero and twenty four to zero or something close to that, and so I think this yep. score will be similar. The only question, um, like Mark said, is does Minnesota get on the board? And so I wouldn't be surprised if it's like twenty eight to zero or maybe twenty eight to seven, um, but I don't see much variance there. I think St. Louis is going to keep on playing their style of ball, and they're still they still have the same coach, so I don't I don't see why the the uh, result would be different. I agree. I think this is going to be uh, a rematch, uh, th- third rematch, third to charm. Uh, St. Louis playing at home. I think they're ready for the next matchup. 
Uh, Minnesota has to what they did against Houston, right? Can they upset their biggest rival to go face, to go face uh, Boston once again? That's literally their their you know their whole method here. Can they upset St. Louis, and will they be able to even put a dent against uh, Boston if they do that? Um, I don't know if this team is this Minnesota team is as talented as the previous teams uh, if they do that, but I just don't see the slam losing here, Mark. Yeah, and you know, I I feel like the Slam is definitely the favorite, um, and w- with the Vixen, you know, it's a very different team from uh, from last season, um, particularly in the in the running game. But they they found their players to kind of fill the gaps. Um, if if they're going to have a chance, I feel it's going to be throwing the ball. Erin Kelly mm-hmm. has to have the game of her life. Um, she is she is capable of um, having a big game. Um, the uh, you know the receivers have to be on point. Um, we can't you know they can't be dropping easy passes and, and whatnot. So like in addition to Aaron Kelly having the game of her life, I, I feel like Jackie Radford has to go off as well um, just to be in the game at the end. Um, if you know best case scenario because, uh, you know, St. Louis is going to be very hard to stop. Their offense is going to be very hard to stop. They've, they've just been doing it all year, and, and no one's really stopped them. So um, they definitely have the edge in this one. It's going to be a very exciting weekend, July 8th, WFA Conference Finals. We're looking at Boston versus Alabama, looking at uh, the St. Louis Slam taking on Minnesota Vixen. We got rivalry one side, the other side unknown. We also have the Wolves rivalry against Baltimore, OKC against the up, upstart and Red Hot Nebraska, plus uh, New Mexico taking on Zydeco, and then Palm Beach taking on Mayhem. So, guys, awesome breakdown. Hope everybody uh, was entertained, and we're looking forward to the results this coming uh, weekend on July 8th. So, Terry, Mark, thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget, everybody, subscribe to our podcast on Sprecher or Apple or any other favorite platform that you got. Don't forget to go to the shop at No Joke Football Shop at Zazzle.com for Grand Beauties. And don't forget to go to the hub. Stay up to date on everything that's happening in the sport at Facebook.com for Grand Beauties. All right, ready for the WFA playoffs, guys. We'll catch you here next week. Yes, sir. See you guys. Uh, sure.